Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Be sure to tune in to whatever Bethesda Church is doing on our website, BethesdaChurch.tv, or check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Now, let's jump into today's message. excited to be here the first Sunday of the new year. Anybody excited to be here? So honored that you're here, those in-house and those watching online. As you guys know, we have been in the process of uh, finding a new worship pastor for several months, and I am so excited and honored to be able to introduce to you guys this amazing couple um, that are now going to be making their home here in Greenbrier County, here at Bethesda Church. Uh, you got to hear them lead a little bit a few minutes ago, but I'm going to ask that Pastor Jason, Martin, and Paige, and they have two kids, Noah and Jude, if you guys would just join me on the platform real quick. Bethesda, can you let this family know how much you appreciate them? Come on, let's show them a little love right now. We are so, so honored to have you guys. We, we have um, been praying and, and just asking God to, to lead us and, and guide us in, in making a, a decision for who to, to lead our worship ministry. And not only are they going to be leading, as you saw today, but they have a real heart uh, for discipleship and raising up other worship leaders and, and pouring into the lives of others. And so we're truly honored that you guys are going to be making your home here. Uh, so excited about the future. They got to hear you sing a little bit this morning, but you want to share, take a minute or two and share your heart and maybe something. <laughs> well, um, we're, like I said, we're honored to um, be here and um, it's been a Kind of a crazy journey, maybe at some point. Maybe uh, I don't know. Pastor, let me uh, share something at some point, but um, not not today, of course. But um, but yeah, it's been a long journey, and God's been you know that that song that we sang um, that, that He is good and talking about God's goodness. Um, that's been my last five and a half years, you know, of seeing um, <clears throat> excuse me, God do just things over and over and again, time and time again, of just showing up and being faithful and. Um, here's one of the little blessings during that five period, uh, five year period. Um, so this is, this is Jude and my son Noah and of course my wife Paige, but, um, we're excited to be here and, um, it's going to be, uh, uh, awesome time. We feel like being here and, um, we have a lot of, uh, excitement for what God's going to do in this community and in this church. And, um, you want to say anything? Okay. Put me on the spot like that. Um, I would just say that um, we will not take this honor and this privilege for granted. Um, it's just a blessing to um, be able to lead this church and this team, and um, we're just truly humbled. Awesome. You want to say so something? So, Jude's got something to say. <laughs> I love it. He's thinking about it. Awesome. I'm going to ask Bethesda, if you would, would you stand with me real quick um, as our first act? Um, I just felt that it'd be, it's really important that we just pray for them. They are in the process of moving and, and all that stuff, and you guys know how that is. And 
But we just want to pray God's blessing and protection over this family. Uh, they are taking a step of faith uh, to relocate from North Carolina to West Virginia. And, um, and we just, we believe that God is in the arrangements. And how many know God is in the details? in the details of our lives. He really does care about that. And so if you would just stretch forth your hands this way and uh, we're going to pray for this family. Father, we thank you so much, God, for this family, God, that you have sent to us. We thank you for Pastor Jason and Paige and for both Noah and Jude. And God, we ask that your protection and your blessing be, be upon them. I pray, Father, that they would realize your goodness in new ways, in significant ways in this season. God, I pray that the years coming, God, uh, would be the most fruitful, God, that they have ever experienced. God, I pray that you would make yourself known to them, protect them, bless the work of their hands, and God, use them, God, as a catalyst, not only, God, to lead people into your presence, but God, as a catalyst to raise up other people who are operating in their gifts as well. And God, we bless them. We pray divine health over them. And God, let this transition be a smooth transition. And God, let all the pieces fall into place, God. We thank you, God, that you've sent them to us. And, and God, we, we bless them in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give it up. Show them some love. We're honored you guys are here. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, we are kicking off today a brand new series called Pace. Everybody say Pace. All right, this is going to be very important. I'm excited about what God has given me to share with you. Uh, today's not going to be milk. Um, it's, it's going to be uh, kind of like cube steak. You're going to have to chew on this. Is that all right? Y'all don't eat cube steak, do you? Come on, I grew up eating some cube steak. You gotta, how many, you gotta chew that thing and then put it to the other, chew it again and then chew it a little more before you can, uh, you know, swallow that bite. Uh, I believe that today is gonna be kind of in your face a little bit. And I believe it's because God has an assignment, um, not only in this series, but very specifically today in what he wants to say. Uh, the key text for the series comes from Hebrews chapter number 11, or chapter number 12. If you have your Bible, you can open it up. If you got it on your phone, uh, that's great as well. If not, we always have it for you on the screen. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse number one, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Very important line. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, I'm going to give you a pace definition to set this up. Um, the definition for the word pace is a rate of movement, especially in stepping or walking, a rate of activity, progress, growth, and performance. Some synonyms that would come alongside the word pace are momentum or movement. Uh, 
or motion. Now, I'm not much of a NASCAR guy, but do we have any NASCAR, NASCAR people in the house? Anybody watch racing? Okay, that's about what I thought. Um, but you probably know enough about racing that you have heard of or seen what is known as the pace car. And so I looked up the pace car to find out exactly the purpose, but there's two primary purposes for a pace car. At the start of the race, the pace car leads the assembled starting grid around the track for a predetermined number of unscored warm-up laps. Then, if the official deems appropriate, it releases the field at a purposeful speed to start the race. In addition, During yellow flag caution periods, the pace car will enter the track and picks up the leader and bunches the field at a reduced speed. Everybody say pace. All right. Very, very significant here. I started uh, a few years ago when I realized I was extremely overweight, that I needed to lose a few pounds. And so I started doing something that even to this day, it's not real enjoyable, but I like the benefits that I get from it. But I started running and I never really understood pace until I started doing distance running. Um, I, I, you know, I would start out uh, just as fast as I could go on a three or four mile run. And I would wonder why in the world am I out of gas a quarter mile in? Uh, it didn't make any sense to me, but then I began to learn about pace and, and gait and stride and, and taking your time into the run so that you don't wear yourself out. And, and the key to going the distance, all right, get this, the key is finding your pace. Notice I said find your pace, not compare your pace to someone else's, but to find your pace. Some of us, our pace is off because we're always looking at everybody else's race. Y'all not ready for this word, are you? Like, we, we, our pace is off because we are looking. Think about in NASCAR, IndyCar, whatever, whatever kind of racing. What if every driver, instead of looking at where they were going, what if they only paid attention to all the other drivers? How many know that that race will not end well for them? It's going to end in a wreck. It's going to end in a crash. And, and Paul, or the writer of Hebrews says, let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. Your race is exactly that, your race. Not anybody else's race. It's your race. Not only do you have a race, But I believe there is a pace for your race. Everybody say it one more time. Say pace. So important. In 2020, many of you, uh, all of us, have gone through a pandemic. Some of you, um, you've lost relationships in 2020. In 2020, you've had financial hardships. You've gone through some things. Maybe in 2020, you found out who your real friends are. Maybe you had some ups and you had some downs. And I believe that regardless of what you've gone through, here's what I believe the Holy Spirit has sent me to do today. He sent me to come and be your pace car, to set the pace today. 
Because some of us, the truth is, we are going way too fast. We're, we're trying to get ahead of God. And some of us, we're moving way too slow. And we're sitting around waiting on God. But how many know there is a pace to your race? And we have to find that. We have to discern that. Um, let me say this. Just because the calendar year flipped from 2020 to 2021... It, that does not guarantee that your life is going to change. If you go into 2021 with the same attitude you had in 2020, you will get the same results you got in 2020. If you enter the new year with the same old habits, you will get the same old results. If you enter this year thinking that, you, you, this is my season. You, you know, a lot of people will say, this is my season. Then we start singing, it's a new season. I won't sing. I can't sing. But, but we, we, we want to declare a new season. But I, I want to help you understand that if you want a new season, then you got to have some new thoughts, new, new words, new habits. you got to break some old habits. There's no sense in us declaring a new season unless we're willing to change some things that we were doing in the last season. Anybody ready to change some things you did in the last season to open up a new season in your life? I've got to change my thought process. I've got to change my speech. So we're talking about pace, but sometimes in order to find your pace and in order to move forward, you have to begin by going backward. So I'm going to call this going back before going forward. And Jesus, in the book of Revelation, he gave seven specific words to seven specific churches. Each church had its own set of problems. It had, it had its own set of good things, good qualities, things they were doing well and things they were not doing well. But Jesus had a word for them. And, it, and you find this in Revelation chapter 2. Now, just chill out. I'm not going to give you all seven words. We're going to focus on the first church that he spoke to. It was the church at Ephesus. And it says in Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse number 1, it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him, who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, this is a, very, this is a transition, he just bragged on them, told them how well they are doing in several areas. But then he comes to this phrase. He says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, a lot of things happening here, and we're going to give you four big takeaways as we get into this. But this was a message that Jesus shared specifically with the church at Ephesus. Ephesus was a great city in the first century located in Turkey. The seven churches of Revelation actually represent the entire church throughout history, and each one receives a word that is applicable to the church today. Ephesus was known as a harbor city located in the middle of all the trade routes. The governor of the region resided in Ephesus. The word or name Ephesus means desirable. It was the greatest metropolitan city in that area. It was the vanity fair of the ancient world. It was a transient city with ever-changing population. It was also the home to the Temple of Diana, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And the temple itself there served as a bank for kings and merchants and was an asylum for fleeing criminals. Heraclitus, he's known as the weeping philosopher, he said this about Ephesus. He said, I can never smile or laugh because I'm living in a city of moral decay. In other words, Ephesus was a very dark city. But isn't it just like God to put something bright, to put some hope right in the middle of a dark place? I don't care how dark the world gets, God will always have a people, God will always have a church that is burning the light, that is showing the goodness of God. How many are thankful for a light in the midst of a dark world? I love this part. So Paul, he founded the church, and he preached there for two years during this great revival, and the good news of salvation spread throughout the entire region because of what God was doing in this local church that was in the middle of a very dark place. Again, if we're going into 2021, what I want you to know is, as we move into it, it cannot be about a new job, it cannot be about a new relationship, it cannot be about a vaccine, whether you take it or whether you don't, it's got to be about what Jesus is saying to us in this season. One of the things I heard in prayer early this morning was, your agenda, your glory. How many believe that if we will get in God's agenda, he'll be glorified in that? And, and so here's the four takeaways I want you to get. Four things happening in this text. Number one, Jesus praised the church at Ephesus. He praised them. The church, this was the first word given to any of the seven churches. And these, these seven words actually circulated to all the churches. That's why the phrase, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. In other words, you, you're, you're going to receive this um, not through intellect, but you're going to receive this through revelation. And so he introduced himself as the one who holds in his hand, holds us in his hand, and he is the one who walks among us. What a promise. I think some of you, you've looked at 2020 and you've just, you know, you've kind of 
chucked it up as, man, what a terrible, what a frustrating, what a hard year that was. But I think hindsight is 2020. I think when you look back on the year 2020, you won't look back at it as just a horrible season of your life, but you'll actually look back at 2020 and say, you know what? As rough as it was, God was with me the entire time. And had it not been for God who was on my side, I might have lost my mind. He not only was with me, but he carried me through the year. Come on, give God a praise if you're thankful. He brought you through what should have taken you out. So he says to them, he says in verses two and three, I love that he's bragging on this church. He said, I know your deeds. I know your hard work. I know your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. And you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and you found them false. You have persevered and you've endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. So Jesus is praising this church for their service for the kingdom of God. Some of you, the truth is, in this season of hardship, in this season of pain, you've continued to serve. You've continued to put on a smile. And I believe God would say the same thing to you as he did the church at at Ephesus. I've seen your good works. I've seen your perseverance. I've seen you endure the hardships. How many know God sees when we're doing the right thing, even if nobody else sees it, how many know we're not doing it for them anyway? Everything we do, we're doing as unto the Lord. And as long as he takes notice, It don't matter if anybody else takes notice or not. So he brags on them. Like, y'all are doing a great job. You you don't tolerate wicked people. You you don't put up with it. Um, and, And I love this because he's letting them know, hey, in this area, you're doing really, really well. He praised them for their steadfastness. He gave them some love. Come on, tell your neighbor, tell them he gave them some love. Uh, That's the wrong neighbor. Tell somebody else. He gave him some love. Jesus threw a little love on this church. Like, I've seen what you've done. I've seen how you've persevered. I've seen how you've pushed through a difficult season. He praised them for that. But then the second takeaway is he praised them. And then, two, Jesus identified the problem in the church at Ephesus. So we got, he's praising him. Now he's about to identify the problem. How many know it's, it's possible for you to succeed in one area of your Christian walk and be failing in another area? It's very possible because the church at Ephesus was doing a great job as it relates to service and not tolerating wickedness. They were doing a great job. But then he comes to, I think it's verse 4, he says, Yet you have forsaken the love you had at first. In other words, you're doing a lot of good things, but something is missing. The truth is they were missing the main thing. The word forsake in Greek means to abandon, to, to leave, to literally let go of your first love. So Jesus is is saying, you've done a good job as it relates to service, and you've done a good job because you've not tolerated evil, but you've turned loose of something that's precious. You've turned loose of something that's valuable. 
Your, your love for God used to be important to you, but now your love for God has taken a back seat to your service. You're serving well, and I commend you for it. But the problem is, is that your heart is not connected to me while you're serving. That you have, you have, you've done a great job. You've met needs. You fed the poor. You didn't tolerate wickedness, but I've got a problem. You have forsaken what's most important. That's me. That's what God is saying to the church at Ephesus. And when he's talking about the first love, he's talking about the kind of love that a newlywed couple has. You know, that, that freshness, that newness. Um, some of you you, 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 you can remember those days when you first got married, or maybe you think back to your first childhood crush, and maybe you, you chuckle about that. But how many of those emotions, whatever they were, I know you were only seven, but you felt them, right? They were real to you. And, and he's talking about that kind of love. The bottom line is, whether you're talking about marriage or your relationship with Christ, the bottom line is, is being in love. And what God is saying to the church at Ephesus is that you've done a great job doing all the stuff, but you're no longer in love with me. I told you you're going to have to chew on this word. He said you're no longer in love. I'm commending you for all the things you've done, but your heart's not in it. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 says, and, and so we know and rely on the love of God the love God has for us, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In the world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us, and check this out in verse 20. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. John, John is coming to us, and he's letting us know that you can gauge your love for God by your love for people. Now, this is not going to be popular because we all got some people in our lives that get on our nerves. Let me say it another way. It is impossible to love God and loathe people. If you loathe people, it's because you're not in love with God. In other words, your perspective is off. And the reason your perspective is, is off is because your heart is off. See, the, the, the key text says, run your race with perseverance looking to Jesus. You, you might want to underline that in your Bible because some of you, you've been looking at everybody but Jesus. You've been trying to run your race watching everybody else's race trying to run what God has called you to do while paying attention to what everybody else is doing. The apostle Jude comes behind John 
And in Jude um, 1, verses 20 and 21, he says, But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. All spiritual growth is really a growth in love. Can you love people that get on your nerves? Can you love people that use you? Can you love people that uh, turn on you? Can, can you the, the only way that is even possible is to stay in love with him. Because if I stay in love with him, my eyes are fixed on him, not fixed on you. And a lot of us, we're getting tripped up because our eyes are not on the author and finisher of our faith. Our eyes are on people who keep tripping up and making us mad. And, and so we're struggling. Have you ever wondered, maybe I, I'm the only one, but have you ever wondered why some people keep doing the wrong thing over and over and it seems like God lets them get away with it? Come on, smile at me if you've ever had the thought. Like, God, how do they keep getting away with that? How can you keep acting that way? How can you have that same behavior and never change? And you're just letting it happen, God. Like, why are you letting that happen? And, and I want you to know God does not approve of behavior that does not reflect him. But what we need to understand is that God places more value on the person than he struggles over their behavior. So it's not that they get away with it. Sometimes God will let them keep making that bed until they get miserable enough to realize that what I'm doing will not carry me to where God has called me. It's kind of like the prodigal son. It wasn't that God did not see that the prodigal was wasting the father's inheritance. It wasn't that he did not see the prodigal was wasting everything and ended up in a pig pen. God saw it all every single bit of it, but God had to let him get to a place that his misery caused him. It didn't say God came and snatched him out of the pig pen. It says while in the pig pen, he came to his senses. And some people, they're going to keep acting up until they're so miserable, they come to their senses. The truth is you got to let God handle that. Don't, don't trip over it. Let God handle that. The truth is, church, God could, have, God could have killed people in their sin last night if he wanted to. He's God. He could have killed people in sexual perversion. He could have killed people last night in gossip. He could have killed people who are judging others or are high on drugs or God could have killed anybody if he wanted to. He's God, but God doesn't do that. Why? Because of the cross, he values the person more than he struggles over their behavior. Anybody thankful that God values you as a person more than he struggles over your behavior? My claps are getting low. So Jesus praised the church at Ephesus for their service. Then he identified the problem. The problem was is their heart was no longer in it. How I many you can be busy doing things for God and your heart not in it? But in the third takeaway, because it's not enough for God to say, hey, you're doing well here. I'm going to praise you for that. Now I'm going to identify the problem I see. But God then gives the church at Ephesus the prescription. 
If you want to get better, here's how to do it. And he starts by telling them, he gives them three things. This is, come on, hit your neighbor and tell them, take your medicine. This is your prescription. Take your medicine. The first thing he said is, he said, remember the height from which you have fallen. Sometimes we think we have progressed spiritually, but the truth is we've moved into a lot of spiritual busyness. We've not really grown and matured. We've, we've become busy. If you're constantly reminding God of all that you've done for him, it means that your relationship with God is upside down. You shouldn't have to walk around telling you know, everybody how much you do for God or telling God how much you do for him. You ought to be declaring how much he's done for you. It, it's an indicator that you've moved out of grace and you've went back under the law. Out of, out of what God has for you and you've started moving back towards a works-based righteousness. And on our best day, listen, our righteousness, the scripture says, is as a filthy rag. Do I have to tell you, he was talking specifically about a menstrual rag. He says that your righteousness, that's what it produces. So he said, you got, you got a shift from saying, this is what I've done for God, and why isn't he taking notice of everything I've done? That's an indicator that you have now lost sight and perspective of your relationship with God. And watch this, your pace is off. You're not going to find your pace as long as it's about you. The book of Lamentations opens up with Jeremiah calling to mind the height of Israel's greatness. He talks about Israel's greatness, but then he transitions to how they are, are now lying in ruins and destroyed by Babylon. It says in Lamentations 1.1, how deserted lies the city, once so full of people, how like a widow is she, who once was great among the nations. She, was who, uh, she, she who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Church, just because you start the race well doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to finish well. There are a lot of people who start well, but they don't finish well. And if I could encourage you today to do anything in this season is don't talk about how well you started, but start focusing on how well you're going to finish. How, how well are you going to finish the race you have started? You started in love with Jesus, but the question is, can you finish in love with Jesus? Can you finish there? I know he radically saved you and you were so in love, but are you still in love? Are you still in love with Jesus? And don't give me this, I love Jesus, but there are no buts. You're either, the only but is yours and it's in the way. There, there, there's no, I love Jesus, but you're either in love or you're not. He said, remember the height from which you've fallen. In other words, Ephesus, you've done all these beautiful things. I'm commending you for it. 
But I can remember a day when you got excited about being in my presence. Now you're just busy with what you deem as spiritual matters, but your heart is distant. Your heart is not connected to me. The only reason, it says in in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 24, it says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The only reason you and I have not been consumed is because God's love, God's compassion, God's mercy never fails. It's new every single morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God is my portion. I will wait for him. See, our minds connect data and photos, and we have a memory bank of all the experiences that we have gone through. And today I stand here preaching to you in a multi-million dollar building. We've seen thousands come to know Christ. Our ministry reaches large parts of the world that we never thought possible, all of that. But listen to me. I will take the simplicity of my personal relationship with Jesus over all this any day. You need to hear what I'm saying. I'll take the simplicity of my relationship with Jesus over all all these experiences that are awesome and we thank God for them. He said, remember the height from which you fall. And secondly, he said, repent. To repent means to change the way we think, change the way we feel, and change the way we act. In other words, I'm, I'm going this way, but to repent means I have to do, not a 360, if you do a 360, you'll be going in the same direction. But I gotta do a 180. I got, I'm going here, but to repent means I, I'm now moving here in an opposite direction. And I think a lot of us, we don't, we don't connect repentance with the way we think and feel. We think repentance is now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Y'all know the prayer, right? We think repentance is God, I'm sorry. But if you get up from prayer and your thoughts haven't changed and you still feel the same way you did before you prayed, you have not repented. Well, pastor, I feel, I feel this way. Change your feelings. Well, you're being mean. No, I'm not. Choices lead, feelings follow. Which means that if the way I feel contradicts the word of God, God's word is not the problem. My feelings. We want a revival. This will give you a revival right here. If we get up out of our feelings and repent and say, you know what? My feelings are not in alignment with the word. So, you know what? I'm not going to ask God to change the word. I'm going to change. That's what it means to crucify your. That's what it means to lay your life down. I'm going to change my feelings by changing my decisions. This is going to be a strong, strong part, but I want you to grab it. The only reason that people get stuck in their feelings and they don't truly repent is because of pride. Our pride will not allow us to repent to admit that our feelings are wrong, to admit 
that we did the wrong thing. You, you may feel remorse for something you did wrong, but until you confess and change, you haven't repented. You may regret something you said to someone, but until you apologize, you have not repented. You may regret mismanaging your money, but until you start managing your money appropriately and the right way, you have not repented. I'll tell you a story about a painter named Jack. Jack would thin down his paint, thin it way down using turpentine. And so he was able to give bids out um, and get, he would always win the bid because he had this system of watering his paint down and, um, and, and he was able to offer it at a, at a low price and uh, he was cheating people out uh, of money and a good paint job, but he just continued to do it until one day he, he became a part of a bid for this church. And this church uh, had a few companies bidding on the project. It was to repaint their steeple. And um, Jack got the bid, and he did what he always does. He started thinning down the paint, and he got up on the scaffolding, and he's painting, and he's nearly got the job done. He's almost complete with it. And he hears this clap of thunder. The sky opens. The rain pours down. And it begins washing off all the thin paint from the steeple and even the church walls. And he ends up falling off of the scaffolding. And Jack knew this is God's judgment. Like he's paying me back for ripping everybody off. And so he cried out. He said, God, forgive me. What should I do? And from the thunder, a mighty voice spoke, repaint and thin no more. <laughs> Preacher joke. Repentance is twofold. It means, number one, I got to turn from what's wrong. But it's not enough just to turn from what's wrong. I got to turn to who's right. I got to leave the behavior. I got to leave the attitude and I got to turn to God. In other words, in true repentance, there's forward motion. You can always tell when somebody's truly repented, their life will start moving forward again. The people who refuse to repent get stuck and their life doesn't move forward. As the worship team comes back, so he said, I want you to remember the height from which you've fallen. I also want you to repent. And then the third part of the prescription is repeat. He said, I want you to go back and do the things that you used to do. Go back and do what you did when you first fell in love with me. When I speak to couples that, that have marital problems, sometimes I'll ask them, Okay, you're, you're at this rough spot in your marriage. I get it. But what, what did you do when you first fell in love? What, what did you all do? What kind of dates did you go on? What, where did you go? What, what kind of experiences did you have when you first hooked up? And oftentimes they'll start reflecting on what they used to do. And as they reflect on what they used to do, you know what happens? They start having those same old feelings they used to have. Marriages get in ruts because they stop doing what they used to do. Your relationship with God gets in a rut when you stop doing what you used to do. 
You used to be excited about the presence of God, but now it's like you gotta force yourself. See, your faith was simple when you first got saved. It was simple. When you first came to know Jesus, it was simple. But how many know life and if you're in ministry, ministry, all these things can begin complicating the most valuable and precious and simple thing in your life. And that is your relationship with the Heavenly Father. It can begin complicating it. So he said, I want you to repent, but then I want you to go back and do the things you used to do. Some of you, you've made your relationship with God so complicated that it's become a burden. Your relationship with God should not be a burden. Your relationship with God ought to be that, a relationship. Someone you enjoy spending time with. But Jesus had one final thing. This is the last takeaway. He said, I I praise you for what you've done. He said, but I got to identify the problem. I'm going to give you the prescription for the problem. And now I'm going to leave you with a promise. He left him with a promise. And this is, this is the heavy, heavy part of this. He promises that they would have the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. The tree of life first appears back in Genesis chapter number two. And it represents eternal life. But watch this. It not only represents eternal life, it represents intimacy with God. That's, that's the, the indicator. So he says in Revelation, at the book end of Revelation, chapter 22, it says, the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. Now, I'm showing you that because this tree of life, it's a picture of eternal life and intimacy. Adam and Eve, if you'll remember, in the beginning were created and they were in perfect fellowship with God in the garden. And the tree represents faith and obedience. They walked with God in the cool of the day. Now, here's what happens. They walked with God and until that, that communion, that intimacy was broken through a sinful act. You, you guys know the story. It was broken. So now they did not have the same relationship they used to have. The danger for the church at Ephesus is, is that they will lose, if they don't repent and turn, Jesus said, we read it, he said, I'm going to remove the lampstand from you. In other words, you are going to lose your influence with people if you don't shift. Check this out. You're going to lose your influence. Jesus said, if you don't fall back in love with me, you're going to lose your influence. Now, why would God, if we don't repent, take away our influence? Because God does not want you having influence with anyone if your heart's not connected to him. He don't want a bunch of people who are not in love with him having influence over anyone. So he says, repent, fall in love with me, do the first things again, or I'm going to remove that lampstand from its place, meaning you will no longer shine as a light in a dark city. 
I'm, I'm going to remove your influence. Jesus told us a candle is meant to be lit and placed on a lampstand so that it gives light to all who are in the house. Today, maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I feel like I'm losing influence with people. I feel like my life is spinning out of control. I feel like I can never do enough to earn God's favor. It may be as simple as reconnecting your heart to His. How often do we complicate it and we make everything six steps, seven steps, three steps, two steps, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. Some of us just need to fall in love again. Would you stand with me all over this building? If you receive something from the Word of God today, can you give Him a praise right there? Come on, if you, listen, if you, some of y'all are like, I can't clap because I need to repent. I, I, I know. It's easy to, to, to get to a place that's not, not good. But today you can leave this place not only in love with God, but you can leave this place having the influence he designed for you to have. I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. No one looking around for the next couple of moments. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor, I'm not in relationship with Jesus. I don't know him as my personal Savior and my Lord. I need to repent and make Jesus the Lord of my life. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? long enough for me to see it. Anyone in-house at all? Anyone in-house at all? Raise it high enough for me to see it. Say, that's me, Pastor. Anyone at all? Give you just a moment. Just a moment. Anyone at all? Thank you for this hand in the middle. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? You say, that's me. I'm going to give you an opportunity to meet Jesus today. Those of you online, we would love to pray with you as well. Every voice lifted. Let's pray this together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to save me, to forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God a praise today. Come on, you do better than that. Give him a praise today. I think this last song sums up what the message was about. When you strip everything else away at the end of the day, how many know all that matters is him? Nothing else. Listen, we want to do big things in 2021, but we cannot do big things if we're not in love with Jesus. If you don't do anything else in this 10 days of prayer and fasting, get your fire back. Get your lampstand back. Let God light your fire again. Let Jesus be enough. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv slash give. We'll catch you on the next episode, and we hope you have a great day.